Always a good way to start. Thanks, Joel, for reading the message. And good morning to all of you. It's um, good to be here this morning. And it's a privilege for me to um, bring you God's word. It's um, a privilege and also a little bit daunting. And daunting for a couple of reasons. Um, as you would know, if you're a regular here, this is not my normal gig. And so for me to um, preach to you is, has been a little bit um, anxiety-filled over the last few days. But nevertheless, um, hang in there. At the end of this, you might say, don't give up your day job, Scouty. But um, I hope and I pray that this is the message as God has put on my heart. Um, it's going to be something that he can put on your heart as well. And daunting also because it's not an easy topic. So here you go. It's hard for me to preach in the first place, but then pick a really hard topic. <laughs> so this topic is um, something that, and as Joel and Andrew would probably attest, that when you do preach, you do get into this a lot earlier on than the time you are going to actually preach it. So, and it can be really confronting. And for me, honestly, it has been quite confronting and you'll probably get to know why and realise that afterwards. So my talk for today is entitled Never Looking Down, Always Gazing Upward, and the theme of it is the sin of pride. So... Why is it really important for us to deal with? Is it really something that we need to be aware of? And, um, and what does God actually say about it? And what does it mean for us to understand what it actually is about? So um, my talk is going to be over four points. I know that's not theologically sound. It should be three, but anyway, I've added an extra one in there. So we're going to be talking about what is it? What does it do to us? What does it do to the church? And at the end of it, is there any hope for us? So what is it? How do we understand it? Well, you could go and look for lots and lots of different meanings, and there's plenty of them, but here's a couple. A feeling of deep pleasure or... Satisfaction derived from one's own achievements, the achievements of one's close associates, or from qualities or possessions that are widely admired. Or another one, a feeling that you like and respect yourself and that you deserve to be respected by other people. What about you guys? How do you understand it? Those kind of things resonate with you. When I was looking up all these different meanings, all of them seem pretty plausible. How does the world see it? How does the world kind of explain it? When I look for some of those comments, there's plenty of those as well. And one of those ones talks about that pride refers to the humble and content sense of attachment towards one's own choices and actions or toward a whole group of people. Another says, 
Healthy pride is about self-confidence, reflecting our can-do attitude. There with so much pride, those with so much pride find their achievements richly satisfying and truly believe that nothing succeeds like success. But then in a negative sense, pride refers to a foolishly and irrationally corrupt sense of one's personal value, status or accomplishments. Look, there's lots and lots of ways in which you could see this and, and understand what the world thinks about pride. But generally there's a kind of positive and negative side to it. And more and more these days, I'd say it's probably becoming more and more positive. I found this um, really good saying. Don't let your bad pride prevent you from moving forward on an opportunity that will allow you to showcase your good pride. (laughs) It's kind of one of those ones that tears you up a little bit, thinking about it too much. Even Christians and the modern-day church believe the idea that there's good and bad pride. The great leadership guru John Maxwell says, there are two kinds of pride, good and bad. Good pride represents our dignity and self-respect. Bad pride is the deadly sin of superiority that reeks of conceit and arrogance. So I think generally across the board, certainly from a worldview, there's a sense that to be healthy, we need to be convinced that we have value and purpose. That sense of value and purpose comes from within us, which means that pride's pretty good. The Bible judges this kind of internally defined self-determination pride to be a sin and so is an expression of a rebellion against God. But we know that pride is good. Therefore, the Bible and Christians have got this so totally wrong. So what does God say about pride? There's lots and lots and lots of verses. I was astounded as to how much you know, there's an explanation in the Bible about what God says about pride. Psalm 31 verse 23. Love the Lord, all you saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. And Proverbs 11:12, When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. Proverbs 16, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. 1 John 2 verse 16, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father but from the world. And there's lots more. There's no doubt that God hates pride because No more sin is opposed to God. No other sin is opposed to God and is the root cause of all other forms of sin. C.S. Lewis says, Pride is the number one sin, the most evil of all sins. Pride leads to every other sin. It is a complete anti-God state of mind. Instead of depending entirely on God, as was God's design, A proud heart now looks to itself to decide what is good and what is evil. At the end of the day, 
this was the very reason that Satan was expelled with all the other angels from heaven. A deep sense of pride that was against what God wanted. And sin came into the world because of pride. Adam and sin, Adam and Eve were the ones that were so convinced through their pride that they could be like God and consequently disobey God and try to become like God. There are other examples in the Old Testament. That story, that long story about Gideon, I know that was fairly lengthy, but I wanted to illustrate the fact that, and if you know that story really well, you know that God kept on saying, no, not with this amount of people, not with this size army, and kept reducing it and reducing it and reducing it. Imagine being the leader of 300 guys going out to fight thousands and thousands of the enemy. But God just wanted to prove a point because the Israelites at that time were extremely wayward, disobedient, and God wanted to show that their pride was standing in the way of them worshipping and belonging to him effectively. And so they wanted, God wanted to um, prove and to show the Israelites that it was only through him and what he did that they were able to defeat the enemy. There are other examples in the New Testament. Jesus was really big on this. He sought out all those people who had a really proud spirit, even his disciples. He kind of gave, gave them a bit of a, a talking to when they were arguing about who was going to actually sit next to Jesus on his right-hand side. He also continuously spoke to the Pharisees and called them out for their pride, their religious pride that was always getting in the way and stopping people from having a, a better relationship with God. And that rich young ruler, remember the guy who came to Jesus and said, look, look, I've done all these things, what more can I do? And God, or Jesus, certainly knew exactly what his heart was saying and his pride was actually standing in the way of a complete relationship with God. So if God hates sin of pride so much, we have to acknowledge and we have to agree that pride can only be bad. I can't see where at any point in time there's a hint that pride is actually good. And despite what we think or what the world thinks, there's no mistaking that God thinks this very, this very thing and his word is very explicit about it. So what does pride do to us? Well, it effectively prevents us from having a complete relationship with God. Pride will prevent us from appreciating, appreciating how lost we are without God and how blind we are to the only way that we can actually come to him. And that's through Jesus and acknowledging the saving work that he's done on our behalf. God so intensely hates pride because he acutely understands what it will do to our relationship with him. So if we go to the text that we had there, it's probably a little bit hard for you to read there, but where it's the highlight of that text in coming from 1 Peter 5 comes from the verses 5 to 7. So likewise, you are younger, you the younger, be subject to your elders, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility 
towards one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And look particularly at verses 6 and 7. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God to that of the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Here we go. God opposes the proud. There's nothing worse than appreciating the fact that God not only hates the act of pride, he opposes all those who display it. And if we don't humbly, if we do not humble ourselves, we will never fall under the mighty hand of God. So as long as we are opposite to humble, in other words, we're too proud, we're always going to be unable to fall under the will of our Father God. There's some more reasons for God's opposition to pride. As long as we are not humble and we're proud, we oppose and dishonour him. God hates pride because it prevents us from recognising him as the king and the ruler of this world. And then we fail to recognise that we have rejected him and we, will, we won't be willing to come under his rule and we need to admit to our failings and ask for forgiveness and recognise that we need a saviour, one that will take the sin away from us. As long as we are not humble, as long as we continue to be proud, we cannot be exalted, as in lifted up. God wants to lift us, lift us up. He doesn't want us to fail. He doesn't want us to be crushed. So God hates pride because he can see that ultimately is going to destroy us if we continue in our pride. One of the results of being humble is that then you can cast your anxieties on him. Humility says that I can, can't bear the guilt and burden of my sin. I really, really need a saviour. Pride rails against that notion. Notion It says, no, 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 look, I can do this alone. But we can't. And God hates pride because it stands in the way of him being able to fully care for us. For him to be wanting to share and be with us in a total relationship where we can experience his loving grace and mercy. So what does it do to our relationship with others? Well, pride can't help but place ourselves, our needs, our requirements ahead of others. And by doing so, then we fail to build genuine relationships with each other. And unfortunately, there's no effective way of them being able to share the gospel with others. And then we continue to build attributes that are far from displaying the fruits of the Spirit. What does it do to the church? Well, you can guess that if it's going to really torpedo your relationship with God and with others, it's not going to have a great effect on being able to be an effective community together. So pride will promote a self-reliance on others, not on God, and collectively for a church, that's not a good thing. Pride will restrict our ability to both 
individually and collectively to read and obey God's word, to appreciate what God's word is actually saying to us. And pride may well promote a sense of spiritual hierarchy. Ooh, ouch. It's not a good thing. And pride will wreck God-filled leadership. Oops, I'm going a bit fast here, sorry. God will wreck God-filled, spirit-led leadership because it could ultimately stop us from really gathering together the very best people for ministry teams. It could render us to in a position where we're no longer teachable. And it may well close our minds completely to good constructive feedback, loving feedback. God prevents us from admitting our mistakes and then consequently it may also be an obstacle to making good changes. So here's a test. I've got my two helpers here this morning who are going to shoot some questions at me. But in the meantime, think of them as being directed to you and see how you would go in this. Um, I'll let you um, come to the conclusion of how hard or easy they are. So, Joel, you're going first, eh? Um, okay, that's a tough one to start with. Uh, prob- um, um, yeah, probably. John, do you think yourself as more spiritual than your partner, your friend, or others in this church? Um, no, no, no. I, um, well, okay, maybe once. But I've done that. But anyway, next question. Um, pass. Next question. Are you quick to find fault with others and verbalise those thoughts to others? Um, no, I don't think so. No, I'm. I'm um, yeah. Okay. All right. Maybe. Maybe I've done that. Maybe once. I might. No. No. Maybe a few times. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Well, I can't in leadership because that's, I'm part of that, so that'd be... Um, pastors in the past, um, yeah, maybe not the ones in this church, in other, in other churches. John, do you give undue time, attention and effort to your physical appearance, like your hair, your makeup, clothing, weight, body shape, and avoiding the appearance of aging? Um, well, that's a bit personal. Um, maybe go on to the next one, Joel. John, are you driven to receive approval, praise or acceptance from others? Um, look, to be honest, I, um, I didn't know those questions were going to be this hard, you know. Um, maybe, maybe sometimes. No, no, I'm not, okay? Just get it in your head, I'm not. 
Um, oh, to be honest, I, yeah, sometimes I do think that way. John, do you have a touchy, no. sensitive spirit? No. Are you easily offended? No. No. Listen, um, perhaps we'll stop there and um, maybe give the rest of the questions to Brina because she may have a gentler spirit than what you do. Okay, I thought these were going to be a little bit easier, but um, I look, okay, all right, I'll be really, really honest and say yes, yeah, yep. Do you have a hard time then confessing your sin to God or others? <sighs> and not just in general, but specifics? Um, yep, yep, yep. Do you become defensive when you're criticised or corrected? No, no, <laughs> absolutely not, I don't. Um... Oh, yeah, okay, all right, okay. Maybe, maybe, yeah, look, okay, yeah, okay. Do you take to yeah. controlling your partner, your children, friends, family? Oh. Oh, no, I don't think so. Um, I'll let others be the judge of that. Are you more concerned about your problems, needs, burdens than about other people's concerns? All right. Okay, this is starting to get really hard. I'm starting to sweat here. Um, maybe sometimes, yeah, look, maybe, all, no, not all the no, definitely not all the time. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe. Okay, this is enough. This is really hurting now. I'm starting to ache and getting a headache and I'm starting to stress out. Um, Do you I, neglect prayer? Uh, Do you can you please stop? <laughs> Do you get hurt if your accomplishments or acts of service are not recognised or rewarded? Um, no, no, please don't. No, 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 no. Do you react to rules? Can you stop? <laughs> Do you have a hard time being told what to do? Um... Can you sit down, please, your brain? <laughs> okay, that's a little bit of a light-hearted look at that, but there's a lot of truth in that, and you can understand that when I was going through these things, it was um, not easy for me to kind of, um, in a, even in a jokingly way, kind of say yes or no to those things. But how does that kind of sit with you? Um, and hopefully you get the idea of what this is about. The, the very um, big conclusion to all of this is that Satan is the ultimate deceiver. He'll make us believe, at best, that our pride is not really that bad, and at worst, he completely blindsides us to the fact that our pride gets in the way, gets in the way of um, our relationship with God, it wrecks our relationship with others, and ultimately is detrimental to our um, our ability to be a good community within the church. Tim Keller had this really, really good quote. He says, Pride is the carbon monoxide of sin. It silently and slowly kills you without you even knowing. 
we need to cry out to God as loudly as David did. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there's any hurtful way in me and lead me in an everlasting way. So is there any hope for us? Of course there is. With God, all things are possible and through God there is lots of hope. There is his strength, there is his power to transform. And if you're really serious about living as God's disciple, then we need to ask God to empower us. The ability for him, to, for us then to admit and to seek God's forgiveness and to strive to do his will. So as our text previously suggests, do not be proud, rather be, be humble before God. Recognise your pride and true, and seek true humility. Understand it's God's strength that allows us to believe and act and love according to his will. And it's God's strength um, that will enable us to seek and to act humbly and to build other, others up in whatever way that is needed. So maybe here's some practical examples. Thank God often and always... All right, that's, um, that seems really obvious, but on an ongoing basis, how often do we do that? Confess your sins regularly. I think, as Andrew pointed out before, that's a really, really good thing to do. And it's a reality check for all of us. Be ready to accept humiliations. That can be really hard. That, and that's one of the hardest things that um, I've experienced ever before. And whether they're right or wrong... They can be really hurtful. Don't worry about your status. Don't try and elevate yourself amongst other people. Don't try and elevate your status in your family, at work, in your church. Have a sense of humour. Sometimes it's really good to actually laugh at yourself, to actually have a bit of a giggle and say, <laughs> that was pretty dumb, or whatever. I remember a long time ago when I used to play soccer in the latter years when us old blokes used to do it together. I was the coach of the team and um, I remember at, in one game that I was completely angry and really, really dark on all my mates because they just weren't trying too hard. So I was giving it to them, you know, giving them a half-time address that I thought this will really rev them up. And one of my best mates turned around and said, Scouty, it's only a game. And I had to laugh. So have a sense of humour. Listen to others. Listening to others is a really, really good thing to do because for a start it takes the attention off you and you're, if you're really listening, hopefully then you're understanding about them and what is going on in their lives. Ask questions. Follow on from listening to others. This is closely related. And ask questions because that will mean that people will understand that you're actually listening. And those questions will also, in some way, give them the impression that mm, perhaps you don't have all the answers in life. And we don't. And so consider yourselves above others always. So in summary, in faith... Life and work. Remember that in every stage of our Christian development, 
In every sphere of our discipleship, pride is our greatest enemy and humility is our greatest friend. We've been doing all these series this year, as Donna pointed out previously, that um, they're all about maturing us as Christians. But in a way, I thought, that's a journey that we need to be on. And sometimes we're at the start of that journey and sometimes we're kind of going through it and maybe towards the end of it. But nevertheless, it's a journey. And so think of that journey in that car and perhaps see pride as the, the really bad dose of petrol. So if you've ever been in a car where you've had bad fuel, you know you won't get very far. So pride is the bad fuel in your life. Get rid of it. Just have a look at this clip. See, I just don't want to kid ourselves into thinking, wow, what a successful church. Look at that huge budget. Look at all the people that come. Because you know what? That's all garbage if our character isn't there. In God's eyes, he's looking for a church that's humble. That really says, okay, he's God, I'm not. Let me just do what he says. Let, let me, I mean, don't you want, don't you want, as you read this, don't you want to be a person that naturally gravitates toward those who are hurting? I mean, I, I mean I, I'm not there. Very few of us are there, but don't you, in your heart, really want to be that type of person and known as that type of person? And wouldn't you love to be a person that really is a, a servant that is trying to, you know, take care of everyone else and sometimes neglect yourself? And don't you want to be a person that just submits even when you disagree, showing that you really understand your place as a created being? I think it's what we want. It's just wanting it badly enough and recognizing how ugly it is in God's eyes when we're the opposite. And so would you just take a minute or two right now and just, would you ask God to make you that type of person? just bow your heads and just just personally pray to God and say, God, help me to become more humble, more of a servant, not fighting for my rights. Help me to really serve people, care for people, and take the spotlight off myself. It's true, isn't it? So take this home with you. Pride will definitely separate you, me, us from Jesus. However, Humility will connect us to him and connect us to others. Let me pray. Father, just delve into our hearts and expose to us every vestige of pride that sits exposed and willfully at times buried in our hearts. Help us to understand and appreciate the extent to which it holds us back from a deeper and loving relationship with you. Enable us to see that without you, we are nothing And only through you, Jesus, are we lovingly seen by you as everything a father wants and longs for. Forgive me for allowing my pride to think that I'm bigger, smarter and more superior to you. And enable me to see through your spirit to resist the temptation to allow our pride to rule our hearts and minds. And thank you indeed that through Jesus' saving work we can be forgiven for our stubbornness and every morsel of pride that stands between you and me, you and others, 
you and this church. Help me to understand and appreciate the extent to which pride holds us back from a deeper and loving relationship with others. And forgive me for allowing pride to think that I'm bigger, smarter and more superior. Father, move your spirit into our hearts and transform us this very day. Transform us anew. Move the spotlight away from our wants and needs and focus it more and more on you and others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.